Well, good evening. It's good to see you here tonight. And, uh, of course, before we get into God's Word tonight, uh, just one thing. Uh, of course, we have been uh, talking about homecoming a little bit. And, uh, of course, that's coming up this Sunday. And uh, we are providing the food. We're going to have uh, chicken, green beans, hash brown casserole, mac and cheese, rolls, uh, plenty to drink. Uh, but one thing I have failed to mention, uh, it's been in the bulletin. Uh, so if you've read your bulletin, you already know this. If you look past the bulletin, then you don't know this. Uh, we are asking everybody to bring in a dessert. So uh, if there are no desserts, it's your fault. All right. So we're just asking everybody to bring in a dessert. We hope that you'll join us for this. Uh, we are so looking forward to it. There is a, a bunch of food that's been ordered. Uh, in fact, they got to go pick it up uh, from two different places at two different times. That's how much food they've ordered. So uh, don't make us carry home a whole bunch of that food. Uh, we want to be able to give all of it away. So that is this Sunday following the morning service. Well, today we're going to talk about the prayer of the persistent. And uh, it's important for us to understand what we mean by persistence. Because oftentimes people get a confusion about being repetitious or being persistent. We don't want to be repetitious. In fact, if you look with me in Matthew 6, uh, we'll talk about exactly what Jesus meant by repetition. He says in verse 7 of Matthew 6, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore likened unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. Now, you think about that. Now, probably the easiest way for me to explain a repetitious prayer would go something like this. How many of you have ever been on a trip with young children? And you know as you get on the road, and now for you young adults today, y'all don't have this problem because you have DVD players in the car for your kids and all kinds of stuff. What I had going to Disney World when I was a kid was two brothers that were good to punch, you know. And uh, that's all we had. And so, I mean, and so you would end up inevitably asking the question, what? Oh, thank you. Are we there yet? And, and the thing was, your parents could say, no, we are still six hours away. Five minutes later, you're going, are we there yet? Almost as if all of a sudden they came into an idea of teleporting us to Disney World. Wouldn't that be nice, you know? And so it's over and over. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Some people treat prayer like that. They figure that if they annoy God enough, God will eventually give them what they want. And so they do. They kind of go out there and they, they're kind of like, Lord, uh, I just pray um, that you will give me uh, a brand new car. And um, Lord, but you know how much I need that new car. And, and Lord, so I pray that you'll give me a new car. A new car, Lord, would be really really nice. That new car, I like the new car smell, Lord, and I would like to be able to, you know, step on the gas and the transmission not want to fall out. And Lord, I pray for a new car. But Lord, if you'd like to grant me a new car, somebody give me a new car. Do you see what I'm saying? Some people will pray like that. And they will hope that in being repetitious, they will cause God to just say, I've had enough of your prayer. I'm going to give you what you want. Now, there's a huge difference in repetitious and being persistent. Being repetitious, the best way to pronounce it is to say that it is somebody who continuously prays for the same thing in the same prayer. Being persistent is the fact that God has laid something heavy on your heart that every time you go to the Lord in prayer, it prompts up into your mind and God wants you to bring it before him. 
And so you persistently pray about that until God gives you an answer. That means if God says no, if God says not yet, if God says you got to get your heart right, you keep praying for it unless God tells you to stop praying for it. And I'll give you an example of that. I pray for people that God has laid on my heart that need to come to know Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. God's never going to tell me no on that prayer. In fact, in in several weeks, we're going to talk about how to pray for your unsaved friends and family. But that's one of the ideas is we, we keep praying for them. But I don't just sit there and pray in the same prayer over and over, hoping that God is just going to all of a sudden kick it in. But every time I go to the Lord in prayer, God has impressed that upon my heart and upon my mind so that I want to pray about it and continuously bring it before him, not in repetition, but in persistence. So we want to talk about what it means to have a persistent prayer life. Well, this evening we're going to look at three illustrations about being persistent in prayer. The first illustration we're going to look at is asking, seeking, knocking. Look at me in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Our English translations fall way short on the understanding of what this verse is declaring to us. All right? Because what it is is that a continuous asking. The idea is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So we want to take a look at what these three things mean. Number one, we want to look at what it means to ask. In James chapter 1, we kind of see a few scriptures about what it means to ask the Lord, and how to ask in the right manner. In James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, it says this, If any one of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In other words, if you are asking God to do something and yet you are not believing he's going to do it, you are wasting your time. If you are not asking in faith, you are absolutely wasting your time. God is not going to answer it if you don't believe it. Now you say, I'm going to be honest with you. How, How many of you have ever had a prayer that you prayed since you were a kid? Anybody kind of have a prayer... Anybody want to know what my prayer was? I've always prayed for a Lamborghini. And, and then I became a pastor and I realized that was never going to happen. I might get a Fiat, you know, or Pinto, you know. But you think about it, 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 the thing was is I would ask. It didn't necessarily mean I was asking in faith, believing. Sometimes we ask amiss as well. Look at James chapter 4, and that's what I would say my prayer was. 4 verse 2. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war ye not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. In other words, if you're asking for selfish reasons, if you're asking for something in an, in an improper manner. Now I'm going to tell you, my, my brother Jason knew how to ask for something. My brother Jason was getting ready to turn 16. He was my older brother. So he was the first one of us that my dad was going to get a car for. 
And so my dad said, son, what, what kind of car would you like? That's always a bad question to ask a 16-year-old because every 16-year-old is probably going to ask for a big old truck with big old wheels or they're going to ask for a sports car, right? And my brother, he said, I want a Porsche. I want a Porsche. And so my brother asked constantly. My dad would ask him, what, son, what kind of car? I want a Porsche. I want a Porsche. In fact, my, my brother would get a Wheels and Deals magazine. Do y'all remember those old magazines? I don't think they have them anymore, but a Wheels and Deals magazine. And he circled every Porsche in the book. And he would lay it downstairs where my dad could come across it and see it. I mean, my brother knew how to ask, and he asked, and he asked, and he asked, and I thought my dad was about to pull his hair out, but he continued to ask, and my dad would ask, what do you want? I want a Porsche, I want a Porsche, I want a Porsche. Guess what my brother got for his 16th birthday? He got a Porsche. He got a Porsche 924. I don't know what that is, but he got a Porsche. It was like the old school, old jalopy Porsche, but he asked for a Porsche. Now, what I say, what I tell you that illustration for, because that's exactly what he's saying, ask and keep on asking. My dad never told him no. Never once did my dad tell him no. My brother would keep asking. My dad knew in his heart, and that's the thing. My dad ended up getting him a car that he wanted. You see, God is a gracious lover of those who pray and seek his face. And if we're asking for the proper thing and we're asking for it in the proper time and our attitudes are in the proper manner, God is excited to say yes and give us what we're praying for if we ask. But you'll never get until you ask. we got to seek. Matthew 6, says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you understand what it means to seek? It means to actually look for it. Not, not just recently, I lost my glasses. I wear contacts, but I will take my contacts out late at night, put on my glasses, and wear them around for about 30 minutes, and that's about it. Then I go to sleep. But I had lost my glasses. We, this is when I was staying in the hotel. And so I packed up, was headed to go back to Alabama to pick up my stuff to move into the rental. And I get to... The house and I pick up my stuff and I go to the rental and when I get to the rental I'm like where's my glasses I can't find them I know I packed them I look in this bag I look in that bag I start seeking all over the place and the last thing I'm going to do is tell my wife I lost my glasses right I've only had those glasses a year and she's going to say that's just like you you always lose your glasses but I, I kept seeking and I, I checked every bag I checked every place come to find out Somehow I had brought a bag into the church, into my office, and when I got in the office the next day, I looked through the bag, and there they were. But imagine if I just said, nope, I'll sit up a pair of glasses. I guess i got to go buy another one. If I just gave up on it. And a lot of people will do that in prayer. They will, they will seek for an answer from God, and then after they pray two or three times about it, they go, well, I guess it's just not God's will for me to have it. So they stop seeking. But this passage says, seek and keep on Seeking. Then it says knock. Knock. Now I love it because in Acts chapter 12, there's a scene there where Peter is freed from jail. And what does he do? He goes to a house and he knocks on the door. A little girl named Rhoda comes to the door. And what she does? She, she hears Peter's voice and she runs in to tell the others. Now you got to understand, Peter has just gotten out of jail and it's not because they let him out of jail. It's because an angel let him out of the jail. So he's numero uno, the man that's wanted. And so they're, they're going to be searching for him. 
He's standing outside the door, knocking on the door, and they won't let him in. So what does Peter do? It says he kept on knocking when they finally came to the door, and they let him in. Now, I'm going to tell you, I had a, a couple of buddies of mine in Alabama that loved to go and do door knocking. They were actually our visitation team. If you moved into the area, within a month's time, these two guys, their names were Smitty and Robert. And they would get to every single house in Mount Olive and in Gardendale if you had just moved into the area. And I always wondered, I thought, man, how do they do that? So when we were going out knocking on doors on Saturday, I thought, well, I'm going to go with these jokers, and I'm going to see how they get into all these houses. I want to see how they get to talk to all these people. So we walk up to the door, and I'm like, hey, Smitty, Robert, you guys go ahead. I'm right here. I just want to see how you guys do. So we get up to the door, and Robert goes up to the doorbell, and he goes, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. I'm like, dude, you only got to ring it once. He's like, no, I got to double clutch it. I was like, that wasn't double clutching. That was again and again and again. And then if they didn't come to the door within like five seconds, he was going. I'm sitting there going, we're going to get shot. Somebody is coming out of the door with a gun. And I'm, I'm not lying to you. Ten seconds later, it was. I'm like, dude, they may not be home. And about that time, you see somebody open the door. I was in the shower. What would you like? I'm like, oh, that's how they get in. They just keep on knocking. They don't give up. And oftentimes, God wants us to do the same thing in prayer. He wants us to keep knocking and not to give up. Here's the thing. We talked about it. I think it was last week we talked about how God answers prayer. And one of those is when the timing is wrong, God says, slow. God may want you to keep going. In other words, God may also want to see if you really, really want it. Now you think about how many of you, how many of you this year made your Christmas list? I know there's no kids in here, but how many of you made a Christmas list? I know of one guy in here, he told me. He already asked his wife for three things. She told him to keep dreaming. You know? A couple of guns and a truck cover. And, you know, you think about it. How many of you have your list? And, and here's the thing, oftentimes, you know, my wife will come up and she'll say, well, what, what do you want for Christmas? And my typical response is, I don't need anything. I, you know, I don't need anything. So I, I don't know what I want for Christmas. And so she'll keep asking and she'll keep asking and she'll keep asking till I finally go, uh, give me a shirt, you know, or, or give me some sunglasses. I don't know. I, you know, but she keeps asking. She keeps seeking. She keeps knocking. She doesn't want to give up. God wants us to do the same thing. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want us to give up, especially on people who don't know him. God wants us to keep knocking at that door because he's going to keep knocking at their heart. God wants us to keep praying for them, keep loving on them, keep reaching out to them. God doesn't want us to be people who just give up and especially not give up in prayer. So he teaches us to ask, seek, and knock. You ever wonder what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 means to pray without ceasing? I mean, honestly, have you ever thought that uh, most people have this misunderstanding and they think that means that, that we're supposed to pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, if we could pray that way, it would be so cool because I believe that I know God hears our prayers. It's always funny to me. People will come up to me, and I've had this said even here. Somebody's come up to me and said, Brother, I want you to be praying for me because you're closer to God. 
God can hear you just as well as he can hear me. Now, unless you're in sin and he wants you to repent, he's not listening to you. But that's it. You see, God wants to graciously bestow upon you the gifts that you're asking for as well. If you're not asking amiss and you're asking for it to glorify him and you're asking in the right manner, yes, God wants to bless you. Sometimes we just have to continuously pray. Now, here's the truth of the matter. The way I look at that verse of Scripture, the way it helps me to understand is that I believe God is always around. God hears every conversation that I'm speaking to people, and God hears every word that I'm speaking. And therefore, when I'm in His presence, I'm praying and seeking His face in everything that I say and do so that even when God places upon my heart, even when I'm talking, I've been talking to somebody and at the same time praying to God. Now, I know you think that's unusual, but the truth is, is I'll be praying for him, especially as I'm sharing the gospel with him. You see, you just continuously pray and seek the face of God. Let's look at the second illustration that he gives. You turn over in Luke chapter 18, the woman and the judge in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. It says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continually coming she weary me. Now, have you ever thought about that? How many times have you ever given in to your children? How many of you have ever grounded them before? Have you ever ground your children? Very few, it looks like, right? So there's the problem. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to tell you, the, the hardest thing to ground your kids from today are these things. All right? We will take my son's phone away, and you would think we took his heart from him. You know? And so you take it away, and it doesn't take five minutes, and he's going, give me my phone back. I'm like, no, you're not getting your phone back. But I got to have my phone. I don't care. And his mom was like, how are we going to contact him when he's at school? <laughs> I'll call the office. You know? There's all kinds of ways around it. Uh, you know, but, but he'll sit there and he'll ask and he'll ask and he'll ask. And sometimes his mom will be like, here, just take it back. Now, this judge was acting in the same manner, but I want you to understand that's not how God responds. Because look at verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he'll avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. In other words, God didn't like that judge. God wants to answer the prayers of his people. But he asked this question, will he find faith on earth? Will you have the faith to persist? Can I tell you, there have been times where I have prayed for something and prayed and prayed and prayed, and it looked like it was going in the complete opposite direction. Prayed for years. And it looked like it was going completely in the opposite direction. And all of a sudden, God swoops in and answers the prayer. Swoops in. You want to know what amazes me? 
is that I still get amazed when God answers prayer. I mean, I was praying about something this week. God answered it. I mean, just, just like that. And I remember coming in here and I was shouting and praising the Lord here in the sanctuary all by myself. And I was just thanking God for it. And I was like, God, I just I cannot believe that I'm still amazed when you answer my prayers. But I am. You do it over and over and over. I love it because I think about Genesis chapter 18. Maybe you remember the story. But Abraham is on the cusp of seeing God go into Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know that Abraham prayed, right? Lord, if there's but 50 righteous people in there, will you destroy it? No, nah, if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy it. Lord, what if there's five less than 50? Will you destroy it? No, if there's 45, I won't destroy it. Well, Lord, if there is 40. Now, how many of you would keep pressing your luck like that, right? Lord, if there's 40 righteous in there, will you destroy it? No, if there's 40 righteous, I won't. Lord, uh, I beg upon you again, if there's 30 righteous in there, will you destroy it? No, for 30 righteous, I will not destroy it. Lord, I am sorry to be asking this again, but if you could find 20 righteous people in there. No, if there's 20 righteous people, I will not destroy it. Lord, once again, I come to you, if there are but 10 righteous people in there. And he says, but for 10 righteous people, I will not destroy it. Isn't that interesting? 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. He never quit going. He probably should have got down to one. And God may have not destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He couldn't find but three that he took out of there. How sad. But Abraham persisted in his prayer. How about 1 Samuel chapter 1 when Hannah prayed for a child? Did you know that Hannah prayed for a child continuously? She was barren. She was barren. She couldn't have a child. And she continued to pray for a child. And God blessed her with Samuel. That comes home to me because we had some friends in our other church. Their names were Chase and Jennifer Moon. And Chase wanted a child so bad. And he was just praying. He and Jennifer came to the altar, it seemed like, every week. And they were praying and they were begging God, Oh God, give us a child. Oh God, give us a child. Oh God, give us a child. It took about two years and she got pregnant. We celebrated with her. Unfortunately, three months later, she lost the child. But you know what they did? They kept praying, oh God, give us a child, give us a child, give us a child. Nine months later, she was pregnant again, and they had the baby nine months later. She kept persisting. She kept believing. They knew that that's what God wanted for their family, and God blessed them. And we see pictures of that little baby all the time, and we just say, we prayed for that child. We prayed for that child. We persisted and we prayed for that child. We never gave up. Even when they lost the first one, we never stopped praying. Let's look at the last illustration. A friend at midnight. Look at me in Luke 11. I like this one because Luke 11, beginning of verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. There's a lot in that scripture, but I want to focus on just the persistence. 
You think about this. If somebody came to your door and knocked on it at midnight, what would you do? Just think about that. You're in your house. Somebody knocks on your door at midnight. How many of you are answering the door with your guns? That's what I thought. I've got my candlestick. Midnight, somebody comes and knocks at my door. I'm going to wonder who's, who's knocking on my door. Let's just be honest. How many of you, if somebody came to your door at 7 o'clock at night, you'd be wondering who's at my door? Who's the uninvited person that come to my house? Man, why is it? When we were younger, man, somebody come and knock at your door, you just went and answered it. You just, come on in. I've been to some people's houses. They don't know me from Adam. We're going out knocking on doors. These people have never met me. They're like, hey, come on in. I'm like, you don't even know if I'm a drug dealer. What are you doing? But somebody comes to my house and knocks on the door at midnight, I'm going to be a little perturbed, especially when my kids were younger. Now i got a 15-year-old. It probably wouldn't wake him for anything, but it will wake my wife, and she'll be shoving me off the bed going, go to the door, go to the door. But he comes at midnight, and he says, I, I need three loaves of bread. How many of you would look at that guy and go, go to the store, Walmart is open 24 hours a day? And then you'd be like, but I'm not going to Walmart past nine. I do. But that's the thing. This guy knew that there was a need. He goes to his friend. Why did his friend answer? Why did his friend give him the bread? Why did his friend help him out? Because he wasn't going to leave. He wasn't going to leave. That guy could have stood there and said, go away. Now, let me ask you a question. Y'all, if, y'all, if this story gets back to my wife, I'm haunting all of y'all. How many of you have ever fought with your spouse? How many of you have ever gone to bed angry? I won't. I won't. Now, let me tell you how this works, men. How many of your wives have ever tried to put you on the couch? My wife's tried it twice. I don't think she'll ever do it again. Because you want to know what I do? When I'm ready to go to bed, I come to the door. I've had, I've had it locked before. I know you, you won't believe pastors and their wives fight, right? I got my halo. It happens. I go to the door, and you know what I do? I try to open it. It's locked. You're sleeping on the couch. Go to the couch. I told you you're not sleeping in this bed with me. She comes to the door. I said, you're not sleeping in here. I said, if you want me to keep banging on the door, I will. And so I get in the bed, and we talk it out. And we'll go to sleep. And the reason why I do that is simply this. The Bible tells you don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Because I'm going to tell you what, you do that. I've been punched in the middle of the night before for something I didn't even do. (laughs) Don't go to bed angry. That's the worst thing you can do, ever. But the reason why I got into the door is what reason? Persistence. And I kept knocking. And you know what? I'd have knocked all night. I would have knocked all night. Why? Because I know what the Scripture tells me. Don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. When I think about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, have you ever thought about that? That was a prayer of persistence, right? 
Father, if you could but take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Prayed it three times. Three times. Wasn't once enough? No. Jesus was giving us an example of what? Persistence. You see, unless God tells you no, you keep praying. Now, here's the truth of the matter. I know some of you in here tonight, God has been dealing with you over different issues, over different situations. Some of you are having problems with your marriage. Some of you are having problems at your job. Some of you are having problems uh, with your eternal destination. Some of you are having issues that are going on with your money. You know what I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. Nobody else may know. And here's the thing. There's all kinds of other issues that you may be going through right now. You know what God wants you to do? Pray. Turn it over to Him. Pray and seek His face. And don't give up. Don't ever give up. Let me ask you this. If if you had a child that had gotten out of the will of God, would you stop praying for them? I hope not. If you have a parent that's sick, do you stop praying for them? No, of course not. You see, there are a lot of things that we'd say, well, I'm not going to stop praying over this because I want God to answer it. That shows how important it is to you. And God wants to see how important certain things are to you. Are you going to be persistent in your prayer life? Are you going to keep pursuing God? Are you going to keep seeking Him? Are you going to keep knocking? Or are you just going to give up and go to the couch? Tonight, that's as simple as this. If you've got something you need to be praying for, then you can grab one of us, one of the ministers here. You can grab one of our deacons. You can grab somebody that's in your aisle. Have them come down and pray with you. And don't get up till you feel like it's time to get up. You pray and get things right tonight. Let's pray.